and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, which is the podcast from the guys at the Guitar Show UK. And after what seems like an age, because I can't remember the last time we did one of these, uh, I am looking at my good friend Jace on the screen. Jace, how the devil are you? Oh, I'm very good, mate. Well, the problem was I went on holiday for a fortnight and then you went on holiday for a fortnight, yeah. which kind of buggered up the recording. So this is the start of season two. It is the start of season two because we kind of post the show and everything. It all kind of we've let it not let it slip, but we have been busy, haven't we? Very. very. Uh, and when I say we, I mean you. Yes. Really. Yes. Um, you know, because you've you've high pressure and all that, and you know, very important. <laughs> and, and I just muddle along. So this is the yes, the start of season two. Um, we're recording this in mid-August but you're probably not going to hear it about September so we're going to start a new season hopefully you know a bit more organized at, at that point in time yeah well we'll know by now but we'll, we'll wait and see how we get on um <laughs> anything exciting to tell me from your your, your break um no my aunt played Cropperty Festival last week um, did it yeah oh. my, I didn't but my aunt did your aunt did yeah yeah, it was the first. I listened to my amp on a massive stage and went, "That sounds awesome." Yeah, yeah. But but yeah. So uh, my One mate and John, time that'll happen. My mate John borrowed it for. He's in a band called Edward the Second, and uh, he borrowed my AC fifteen. Right stage for it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, nothing. Well, well, the only thing for me, apart from normal bits and pieces, is I've just bought a, a new telly, which I'm really, really over the moon with. Um, and... Yeah, you, you are the first person in the world I know that has bought a Jason Isbell Telecaster who hasn't actually listened to Jason Isbell. That's right. Which is insane right. because he's one of the finest songwriters on the planet today. <clears throat> yeah, but I just wanted a bound edge telly and it's, and it's lovely. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't realise what I'd stepped into and then I've been admonished by you ever since. Anyway, let's get going. To kick off season two, uh, we have uh, Guy Griffin with us, uh, or Griff. Um, who is um player of the Choir Boys and plays with the Down and Outs. Um, and Over the Moon, it's, it's kind of come together very much in, in over a couple of days. So great to be able to speak to, to Griff. Griff, how, how, how are you? How's life treating you? Oh, are you all right? Yeah, all good. All good. Uh, nice to get the chance to speak with you guys. It's, yeah, uh, I mean, this sort of came up last minute. Um, I bumped into Joel from, um, classic rock uh, at, a, at a show and uh and then he put us in contact with you guys so yeah bless him joel yeah, yeah. i mean if, if uh he just sent me a message he sent me a, quite a drunken message at about yeah. half past 12 and went guess who i've been drinking with and then <laughs> sent me a picture of him looking far worse for wear than you were <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i don't know it, it was it was a hot night that's all i'll say but we saw it. We saw a fantastic band uh, called the Cinelli Brothers, and um, they're sort of an Italian Italian blues band based in the UK. Right. And um, and they all swap instruments, and they're all brilliant at every everything. These guys, and um, it was kind of like uh, I don't know, sort of old old Fleetwood Mac or cross with the with the band or something like that they oh were, wow were, yeah and it was totally unexpected i wasn't expecting something that good at the venue i went to but uh, it was amazing well if you oh. if you told me you'd seen the cinelli brothers mm. or, or an italian outfit i've been in touch with an italian outfit called, i would have thought it was an ice cream parlor <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well you know maybe that's the sideline i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So um, I've been I've been research. I, I didn't have to do that much research, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, I must I must have seen you play. I don't know fifty times with the Choir Boys because well, glutton for punishment. Well, I mean, to be honest, I was just the right age. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, I I originally saw the Choir Boys when it was just Guy Bailey on guitar. Yeah. Then I saw them when Ginger joined, and then obviously yeah. you joined. After Ginger, yeah. I think did Ginger just do one twelve inch with them? Was that it? And then yeah. you joined and did the album. Yeah, he did one. He did um, one. It might might have been. He might have done two two singles. The two singles, 
yeah. Yeah, and, and but at the time, which would have been what, 88, 89? Yeah. It felt like you were on tour around the UK almost every other week. Yeah. Um, so we just used to go every other week yeah. to what would have been Edwards number eight in Birmingham or yeah, JV's in Dudley or is it the Roadhouse that was in Warsaw, Wolverhampton? Junction 10. Junction 10, that was Junction it. Junction 10, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, but I think, and I'm not sure, if I saw your first band, which was Feline Groove. Feline Groove, yeah. We did play... Um, we did play Edwin's Edward's number eight. I remember playing that. I can't remember. I, I think we might have been supporting. Is it Gunfire Dance or one of the I, I think, Gunfire Dance? They were Birmingham's from, Birmingham's should have been, would have been, could have been. Yeah, they they were really cool. You know, back then it was you know, also how you looked, wasn't it? And yeah, and they they had it all going on. Gunfire Dance. They were sort of they looked really cool. They were a good band actually. You know, just. Uh, yeah, it just yeah. didn't quite get yeah. there for them. But yeah. yeah, so I went back onto, um, well, I searched for Feline Groove today yeah. and uh, I managed to listen to your demos from, what was it, 87, something like that? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. And um, it was very much of its time, I think. Yes, uh, let's, let's leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a bit right. that I wrote down on my notes. Oh, a Dogs to More cover. Oh no, it's not. It's an no, original song. Of it, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> you know what? A lot of pe- a lot of people have made millions out of just doing literally that, just completely ripping off songs. You know what? You know. So we were just doing the same when we were, you know. But we at least we had an excuse. We were like seventeen years old, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I sort of I read a story that you'd kind of got yourself down to the Kerrang offices. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, harangued Razel. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even have the nerve to do anything like that now. But yeah, when you're you're young and you you know you think you're going to take over the world, like you know, if you're in a, a band, you know, that's mm. how you are. So um, myself and Martin, the singer, we w- we went down to um, Future Publishing, which is in Camden, where the Kerrang offices were, and we just went there and said, oh, we've got a interview books with um ray zell because he was the guy who was into all that sort of stuff yeah and they said oh no, ray's not here i said well we've got an interview book with him we did we didn't <laughs> and so they called him and he goes keep them there he says i've actually just listened to their demo and i love it i'll come down and interview them brilliant yeah i mean it was you know you couldn't make it up but it was it was and that that sort of we were starting to play in london and you know so we played with the uh we used to support you know, queer boys as it was at the time. Yeah. And that's obviously how I was sort of uh, got involved with all that really in the end. So, so how did you end up joining sort of post ginger, the choir boys? Well, there's, there's a, a funny story that um, in 87, yeah, I think it was 87 because I, I moved to London the day of the, um, the big, hurricane there you know remember there was that the when michael fish said there was yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was the day i moved to london and um so that i think that was 87 and uh i was working at um our price records in um cheapside which is opposite bank of the bank of bank england, of england. Yeah. yeah and it's this tiny shop but it was the busiest our price you know this is like back in 87 so it was like Rick Astley and all these <laughs> records flying out, and uh, and I got a call uh, from from Spike, but it was you know to my parents' house in Bedford. So I went to a, a phone box and called him, and he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, we would, we want to get a second guitar player, but I haven't been able to get hold of you." And I said, "All oh, right, yes." Yeah. He says, "Oh, we're supporting Guns and Roses at the." Hammersmith Odeon and I was like here's me like my ship's come in and he says ah oh, but we couldn't get older you so we've got this this guy this Geordie guy <laughs> and, he's, and I was like oh great you know <laughs> feigning like sort of happiness for you know um so I thought well that's it you know I've missed my chance and then um 
they were they they got signed and you know the whole Sharon Osbourne thing and all that kind of thing mm. and an EMI and all that and and um, they went out to America you know back in the day when the Americans would fly you out there just to hang out for a week and act like rock stars and all that, in the new signings to Capitol Records and Ginger went out there and um, you know obviously I wasn't there so I can't say what happened but it didn't go well <laughs> it didn't go well for Ginger by the time they got back to uh, London so uh, and then I just got I got a call and I was like yeah here we are so so I ended up uh, rehearsing with them for two or three weeks and then we went out to LA and made the uh, the first record a bit of what you fancy wow so how old yeah. were you at this point what, 18 I was 19 uh, I was 20 when I think I was 19 when I was first in the band even though I wasn't officially ever asked to join the band mm. <laughs> it was like and then Sharon said he says you're in the band don't take any notice of those idiots yeah you're in the <laughs> band I said all right so um yeah I joined I joined I think it was the end of I suppose the end of 88 and then in 89 we went we were, we were recording the album by April 89 so I was 20 when we, met, we were making the record wow yeah, and and I suppose then you've got like years of um, like I say you were seemingly on tour constantly throughout that period. Yeah, you go in and do the next album, which from memory wasn't that well received. I can't it was a long time yeah. ago, and then the band splits up. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, pretty much. In a couple then... of sentences, you, you summed <laughs> it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we went out to Van- we went out to Vancouver with Bob Rock, and uh, we were in Vancouver for a- we were actually there for about three weeks, just twiddling our thumbs basically because there was something going on with the album he was making at the mm. redoing stuff, and that was the uh, the Metallica album, the Black album. They were in town, you know, finishing it off, and we were just sort of waiting there, and. Um, so yeah, we did the thing with Bob Rock. It didn't work out completely how we wanted it. And then I don't know, somehow we ended up working with Chris Kimsey in London, finishing it off. And but by that time the whole music scene had changed. So you know. Yeah. I, I was just about to say it was a really because I mean you're talking what, ninety three, aren't you? Ninety three, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and 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 you know, rock just I mean, Nirvana just came along and yeah, grunge it, came along and just yeah, everything was, and anything that was pre that, you know, was, you know, it's not like we were some, you know, like a metal band or, you know, what what, what they'd call hair metal or LA yeah. rock, but, you know, you do sort of get lumped in with certain things. And some, some bands managed to ride it through. I mean, the Black Crows rode it through. They did. Uh, they managed to set themselves apart from all that stuff a little bit, I think. To be fair, though, their their first album sold like six squillion albums, yeah. didn't it? But their, their their career kind of went down and then sort of like plateaued, didn't it? You know, I mean, I, yeah. I saw the Black Crows on pretty much every tour they did of the UK, and they never they never got to that sort of arena level. It was always like nah, theaters. No, nah, no, nah, nah, yeah, they didn't ever get to that. I mean, I know they're in America now, doing quite, mm. you know bigger shows than they would have done back then so um but yeah i mean you know we were hanging out with them when we were doing our album they were it was like we were the big news in la at the time because we had all the capital records and sharon osborne and you know and being english we were a bit of a novelty there yeah and the black crows were just doing a record down the road you know i mean they at the time, they were actually that the guy funding their record was Dave Lee Roth. It was his manager, you know, that managed them, wasn't it? Uh, mm. Peter, Peter Angel, De- Angelus, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And um, but the, you know, the money for all the rehearsals <laughs> it was Dave Lee Roth, you know, which is it's... a little known fact. It's quite interesting if you think about that period because going back, I mean, you you. You know, you said about being lumped in with the LA 
or with the American scene. And and obviously hair rock was a big thing. And to a certain extent, the, you know, Nirvana was a, you know, grunge, or not, I say Nirvana, but grunge. I mean, obviously with, you know, Nirvana kind of at the head of it was a bit of reaction to that. But the, the UK stuff going around at the time wasn't as bloated or as over produced or what have you. Cause I remember at that time going out and I'm, and I'm, you know, and I'm thinking of bands like Thunder. who was just yeah. a good time rock and roll band. Yeah. You know, that it wasn't, yeah. It wasn't overly produced. It wasn't. No. I mean, it was. It's guitar straight into amps. It was nothing like some of the big American stuff that really was, where the production had gone, had gone a little yeah. bit bonkers. And it's just yeah. a shame that it all it all folded in on itself, and everybody got got taken at the the knees. When actually, in reality, you know, bands like yourselves and 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 Thunder and some of the others, it, it, the, the, that wasn't the sound that was being reacted against. No, 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 it wasn't. I, I think um, at the time we got a little bit of flack because we because we did spend a lot of time in America and, and out of all the out of all the UK bands that were you know at the time you know Little Angels, Almighty, Thunder, Dogs to More, you know there's a few, and it was a really good time for British sort of rock or rock and oh, roll yeah. and all that. Yeah. Um, but we we were the only sort of band that really spent any time touring America. You know, there was, I mean, maybe to our detriment because we were doing quite well everywhere, but we spent a lot of time in America, you know, trying to crack it or whatever. You know, we, we, we spent months touring over there with various bands. So I think we got lumped in a lot with the American thing. And also at that time, we used to get a lot of flack in, in the press because we'd sort of sold out or something, you know, going yeah. to America. And it's like, well, what would you do if you'd been <laughs> stuck stuck in London for, for years, you know, and someone says, do you want to go and record in Hollywood? Uh, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah, so, that, so that's what we did. As if, you know, if, as if the Little Angels had been asked, I mean, I can't see Toby turning around going, well, do you know what, mate, you're fine, oh, we'll yeah. stay here. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, all those guys would have done the same, and 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 you know, I'm, I'm not not saying that those guys didn't play in America because, I mean, I saw Little Angels at a gig in America, you know. So, um, but we, you know, we were touring a lot with you know bands like Hearts and and then bands like LA Guns when they were sort of hitting it big, and you know, it was it was quite an experience. Hmm. tour in america you know in the tour bus and we had you know we had two tour buses you know <laughs> la guns had one tour bus we were the support band we had two tour buses with with us and <laughs> and all of ozzy osbourne's crew on the other bus on ozzy osbourne wages obviously you know <laughs> yeah you live you live and you learn don't you but they were all great guys but it was like you know we were touring clubs and amphitheaters and small theaters and we had like twelve crew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how many crew do you have today? <laughs> One, if we're lucky. <laughs> Maybe two. No, two. About two, two, basically. That's all you need, you know. As long Especially, as you're still paying for that crew. <laughs> well, not anymore. But I, right. I, I did manage to look at some of the uh, the financial uh, statements from years ago, going up into the actually my mum's loft <laughs> and I found this box. And I was like, we spent how much? Okay. <laughs> at the time, none of us even looked at it. You were just nah. like, oh, yeah, whatever. Nah, you, you go know. on for the ride, don't you? Yeah. And I'm yeah. glad we, you know, I'm glad we did, you know, because that, that world, that world really doesn't exist anymore unless you're on a certain, a, a, a certain higher level. Yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah, there's no there's no kind of midpoint anymore, is no. there? Used to be kind of a bit of a midpoint where you could still kind of be on the coattails of it and have some of the experiences. Now it's yeah. either Uber or, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or or down at a level. Well, you have to. Fu- you've got to be able to fund it yourself, yourself from from what you're getting paid for the shows or for the you know or collectively what all the t- you know how much money the tour's going to bring in, and then you figure it out. You know, you figure it out and you travel how you want to travel, but. I mean, for years, the way we've travelled, apart from in America, you, uh, the last couple of times we've been to America, we've been in a you know a sleeper bus because it seems you know such long distances yeah, and all yeah. that. But um, you know, if you're touring around Europe, in Europe, we just fly in and fly out, 
and make sure someone picks us up and get a support band who's got nice gear and we just plug into that <laughs> you know just take the guitars um you know chuck berry style really you know uh, uh you know or you just got- in in the uk which you know we just we, we're in a we're being a splitter because it's all very well being in one of these sleeper buses but after about three days a bunch of blokes on a sleeper bus with one toilet it's not as glamorous as it looks you know what i mean I'd, I'd rather have a hotel room you know? <laughs> yeah it doesn't actually, sound glamorous no it looks good is- it looks good parked outside but you know the UK isn't that big that you no, need to not. have, unless you're playing Aberdeen and then Exeter the following yeah. day. So, so yeah. it's got to really fuck your schedule up, haven't they? Yeah. To send you from Aberdeen to Exeter and then oh, no, and back to Newcastle. That's quite a usual thing for us. <laughs> <laughs> so are you um, slightly off track from where I was going, but are you self-managed now or have you got a manager? Uh, no, we, 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 we have, we have management uh, and, um, and and we have you know all the the usual stuff record label you know press officer or whatever you call it mm. press agent but um yeah essentially we you know the the nuts and bolts is sorted out you know within ourselves really yeah you know we've been doing it long enough it's like and it's in our own interest to do it as in the best financial way we can you know you want as much money out of it out of a gig as you can get you know absolutely and yeah. giving 20 percent to someone else or 50 yeah. percent to an agent or whatever it's yeah just, you know yeah it's i mean we, we still have a bit of that you know you still have to give a certain percentage to people but um but you know being on the road at this point in our lives it's yeah it may cost more to for everybody to have their own hotel room <laughs> luxury you know <laughs> but at this point in your life you're like you know what we have everyone's got to have their own room mm-hmm. you know and what however anybody wants to get to the gig and the expenses it is what it is you know you just want to keep everyone happy really that's the main mm. thing you know a happy so, ship <laughs> so the, the choir boys kind of disband mm. but you stay in america is that the yeah. next part yeah i i I was in I was in America. Well, basically, from you know when we went and did the first record, <coughs> excuse me, and then um, we come back every every now and then. We'd end up in LA. You get to know a lot of people and another, you know, all the band. There was a lot of bands around at that time, and um, you know, and then you you end up staying. You meet you know you meet a girl or whatever. You get met, you know all that sort of stuff. So I lived there for. I was there from then till I moved back to the UK around about 2004. So, um, yeah, I spent a lot of time in LA and I had a band out there and ended up um, eventually getting a record deal with Atlantic Records. It was a band called uh, Glimmer and um, we toured with Cheap Trick and a few different bands through through the States and which was yeah, fun. I, yeah, I was listening to to Glimmer today, and uh, I've, the the first thing I wrote down is Glimmer named after the Glimmer twins. Pretty much, I think we had we had it was one of those things where we had about two or three different. We went through about two or three different names, and it's like, oh no, there's a band called that. There's a band called that, and then when it came to the record deal, so no, there's a band called that. You got you got to think of a n- name in the next two days or something. So it was like, yeah, <laughs> so it became that. Yeah. Uh, and um, and uh, I actually really like listening to the album today. Right. Um, and it it sounds to me as if you were right at the right place, the right sound, but you should have been in the UK rather than America. Yeah, yeah, and it was an English band as well, you know. So um, we did actually come and play some shows in the UK, and then someone called us from the US and said, are you in the UK? We said, yeah, come back to the US. We're going to sign you. So, all right. So we went back. You know. <laughs> but it sounded, um, it sounded quite Brit poppy, you know, yeah. mid nineties guitar music. Yeah. And I'm not entirely sure that Brit pop translated to the States very well. No, I mean, 
I mean, you know, obviously I, I loved all that. You know, I loved Supergrass and Oasis and I mean, all that stuff. There was a lot of great suede. There were some great bands in that period. Looking yeah, back I mean, it. It, it got a bit shit when the second wave of Britpop bands came through. But actually, the, the yeah. sort of like the pioneers of the, yeah. your, your Swades and Oasis were brilliant at the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was it, it, luckily living in, in L.A. at the time. I used to be able to see all these bands and they'd be playing tiny clubs. You know, they're mm. massive in the UK, but you see them at the Troubadour or the Whiskey or places like that, you know. So I got to see a lot of those bands. Um, cast were really good, actually, That mm. which I wasn't expecting, but I thought they were one of the best live ones I saw. Yeah, all right. Yeah, they were really good. So you do Glimmer, you do the album. Is it just one album that you did? Yeah, just the one, just the one. It wasn't working out with the label and uh, I wanted to get off the label and they wouldn't let us get off the label. And I said, well, I'll split the band up. And they said, no, you won't. And I split the, <laughs> I split the band <laughs> up. And then, uh, and then that's when the sort of uh, choir boys thing started up again. But it, it was basically just... We got signed on some songs that I'd written with 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 Spike, and it wasn't really going to it wasn't going to be called the Choir Boys. And um, things happened, and in the end, we called it the Choir Boys. And it was actually made it a lot harder for us. I think calling at the time, we we <laughs> still wasn't people weren't that you know ready for for us to be back again. Yeah, I, I suppose because what the break been four or five years something like no, that it was about eight years it was yeah. like oh was it yeah yeah uh, well it's from yeah night well 93 and then the album this is rock and roll came out in 2001 i think right it's all kind of yeah. lost in the mists of time now. oh yeah 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 i do remember uh driving over to st records in dudley to pick it up <laughs> <laughs> because it was one of the few places that would actually kind of stock music because by that point there was no point you going to hmv or anything yeah yeah you know. yeah it'd just be mainstream stuff wouldn't it yeah yeah, yeah. so the choir boys continue for a while but i also read that you'd formed a, a country band as well the deserters yeah well that that was um i was working with um singer called An Angie Briere or Angela Briere and um and she she was from LA um ended up making the record in the UK mm. and she came over and did that and then um and then it morphed into a band called the Deserters but it was it was it it was songs that that me and her wrote and I wrote a few more songs with her that she's put out since you know She's great, you know. So you you weren't in the band; you were just kind of no. I, well, I the initial thing of it, I was, you know, and mm. and and initially it was just me and her acoustic, and then we added people into the band. At one point, Matt Sorum was playing drums in it actually <laughs> for a little bit. Yeah, because uh, yeah. I listened to um, was it Stay? Is that yeah, yeah? Is that it's one of her more recent songs, isn't it? Well. Actually, that one I wrote, I, I actually, that was written by me, that one. Um, yeah, she's put a few, there's been a few videos out there and all that. And uh, she did, she's been recording some stuff, which I put a, a backing vocal onto, uh, which is a song called Steal, Steal Away, um, which was one we wrote a long time ago. And, and she got um, Gary... Uh, Lauris or Loris from uh, the Jayhawks singing yeah. on it as well. So, and they're one of my favorite bands. So, it was really in this studio. I was sent all the stuff and I'm singing along to him, you know, the Brilliant. guy from the Jayhawks, which is a thing for me, you know. So, it, the choir boys always had that sort of like country ish yeah. sort of part of their sound. Is that something that you particularly like? Yeah, I love it. Um, I love all the, I, I guess what you'd call America, you know, it's yeah. termed Americana. Americana. Um, like Ryan Adams and things like that. I really love all, you know, that type of stuff. And the, the Jayhawks especially. 
Um, so I've always been into all that that sort of stuff. And oh, you know, that but that going back to you know the Eagles and yeah, you know, and then going through to the more rocky thing like you know Tom Petty is a big thing for me. You know, I, I, that's all the stuff that I really like. Uh, so were you taking? The, were you laughing when I was taking the piss out of Ant for not actually knowing any Jason Isbell? Stuff? Jason Isbell, yeah, <laughs> no, but he, he's great. I mean, and quite a guitar player as well. <clears throat> and, and the thing is, it's not that I dislike that because Jason knows that. I mean, I'm, we we both like a bit of Americana. In fact, we're both very big Whiskey Town fans. Whiskey so, Town, yeah. You know, yeah. so it's not like. I mean, in fact, I'd argue that Strange and Old, Strangers Almanac is one of the best albums ever recorded, but. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, I just haven't got round to it, Jace. I haven't got round to it, and I like the guitar. Just don't don't tell everybody. <laughs> just sort your shit out and go. And yes, I will, I will. Do, I will. Do. I'm going to chime in now because I want to know a little bit about the down and outs because I'm a I've yeah. always been a bit of a Def Leppard fan. Yeah, uh, and obviously I I hail from around Sheffield, so um, you know um, always love the band and the fact that the lead singer is also a Sheffield United supporter is is a big deal for me. So yeah. how did that all come about? Um. Well, what it was is um, at, at the time we were um, being looked after by a guy called Mick Brown, who um, was involved with Ian Hunter and Jason and Scorchers, Dan Baird. And um, then it came up that, you know, Mott the Hoople were going to do this you know, reunion. And uh, Joe's been such a you know, he's been like a champion for, you know, the Mott the Hoople cause for years. You know, it's his favourite band, basically. And um, they asked him if he would, you know, do something at the gig, you know, maybe play or put a band together because, you know, obviously Def Leppard aren't going to be supporting <laughs> Mott no. the Hoople, you know. So Mick Brown says, well, the perfect band would be the Choir Boys, you know, because it's, it's, it's funny, you've got Def Leppard and the Choir Boys are quite different types of bands, but we're actually sort of influenced by the same mm. stuff, you know, Mot the Hoop or T-Rex, you know, just different ways of presenting it, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that's how it came about. And, um, I mean, I've met Joe over the years a couple of times, so it, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like, friends with him or anything but um so we just met up and we just struck it off straight away it was great and uh and it was just it was just it, it, it was just it it was such fun I mean it was quite it was quite hard work as well for myself because it was, it was a little bit out of my comfort zone um because it it's quite musically it's quite you know, Mot the Hoople stuff is quite out there, some of it, you know, and it's not, it doesn't go to, it's not, it's not sort of blues based, you know, some of the rockers are, but it's not really blues based. It goes to weird chord changes. So that's, you know, with my sort of uh, lack of attention span, <laughs> you know, uh, but it was harder work for Paul, um, for Paul Gurin, our other guitar player, but, but he, he really shone through that. It was really, right up his street you know lead wise and he was doing most of the lead stuff is that how you split in the choir boys as well that you 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 share the lead or yeah we share that we share the lead in the in the choir boys i mean a lot of stuff used to be stuff that i played lead on the first couple of albums and over the years i've just sort of yeah you do that i can't you know i mean i've even changed guitars that i use you know i used to play les paul now i play telecasters um just because different guitar players we've had in the band turned up with a les paul and sometimes i thought well that sounds better than my les paul so i'll just i'll just go back i'll go to the telecaster mm. and now i just feel a lot more comfortable playing playing the telly it's, it's it's interesting what you said there about about def leppard actually because i mean they joe did another thing or they they did some work with the Hothouse Flowers, which again you would yeah. go that that doesn't seem like the right, you know, that doesn't seem like a natural yeah. mix. Particularly, I know <clears throat> I was back in the time where I think Joe and one of the two of the others were living in Ireland anyway. Um, but you but you're right because his influences have never shone through the Def Leppard sound, but it oh. is all you know. Yeah, 
Well, he's got, he's, he's got, I mean, he could, he'd surprise you, you know, when you, he, he could name any, any record from any, you know, it, mm. it, it's, I mean, he's got thousands of records, you know, he's a, he's a music fan. Um, and obviously like the Def Leppard sound is the Def Leppard sound, which they, they got that sound and it's like, yeah, st- <laughs> stick it's with that. served them bad. Hasn't <laughs> done more badly for them, you know, um, but um, yeah, I mean, like Hot House Flowers. I mean, that's where where I first met Joe because we during when we were doing our second album, we actually spent a bit of time in Ireland writing, and we were in Dublin, and, and the Hot House Flowers were in the next studio. So one day I was there in there jamming, <laughs> jamming with them. You know, um, the musicians are just musicians. You know, a lot of people, music fans look as look at bands like they've got to be in one. One mm. box, and well, how how come you're friends with that band because they play different sort of music? And it's like, well, every band's doing exactly the same. The music might be different, but they're doing exactly the same thing. Same hotels, same crew. You know, same Absolutely. tour buses, same stories. You know, yeah. And the Quiet Boys always um, seem to me to be quite a sociable band. So get on with your <laughs> yeah. next door neighbours. Uh, yeah, sociable and unsociable at some times it was, yeah, back then, yeah. So as you've mentioned the, the Telecasters, we, we probably should mention, um, mm. because, you know, I'm good friends with the guys at John Hornby Skews and they exhibit at my guitar show and stuff. So you yeah. play vintage guitars now. Yeah, can you see them over there? I, I can see them. Like them. So you've got what? Is that a, effectively um, an ES330? Yeah, that's, yeah. Whatever, yeah. I'm sure you're right. <laughs> um, there, there is one that's a squire in there, which I just bought, which I like. But but, but these, the the other three, the blue one, the black one, and the sort of the Keith one, the Keithy one, uh, which is like a broadcaster, I guess. But they have different names. I, I'm not. I know I'm not supposed to say they're like telecasters, but you know, um, I think the V52, one V52, and V. 57s i think yeah could, could be wrong but they're so great. How, did, how did that come about working with uh, jhs um i can't remember i, th- I think it was more to do with with paul Gurin, mm. our other guitar player uh, the, the the other guitar player in the choir boys and he lives up in yorkshire so he'd sort of or and going back to paul he used to work at um vintage guitar emporium in in king's road so he he's got lots of contacts you know in that mm. that arena sort of thing and um yeah we just went went down there and tried some stuff out and uh they gave us a couple of guitars but you know nowadays we you know i i, I buy them because they're, they're, they're great you know they're great guitars i mean i get a, I yeah this i get a discount but I, I you know i don't play anything just to i to be honest, I'd rather buy buy guitars and not have to be hmm. have to do something at a guitar show or something and show, <laughs> and show how inadequate I am. You know, <laughs> might be the wrong podcast to actually say that out loud, but I know what you're saying. No, but you know what you know what I mean. I've 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 done a couple of guitar shows and you know you're playing all this you know Chuck Berry stuff and then some guy comes on playing with two hands and you know, uh, you, yeah. uh, you know all that kind of stuff. So. um yeah, I know what I like, and I like uh, my main criteria is: does it stay in tune? <laughs> yeah. You know, and Telecasters are, yeah, well, the V fifty twos should I say are great for that, and because I play in an open tuning, I've tried different guitars in the open G tuning, and it can it can go horribly wrong sometimes if just one guitar one string's slightly out and all that. So, um, uh. But they're they're fantastic, you know. I I bought the the blue one and the the Laguna blue, I think it's called, and uh, the black one. I bought those in America, um, for an American tour, rather than having to go through all the customs thing. Mm-hmm. I just I just ha- had them there when I got there, you know. So I was going through your um, Instagram uh, feed today, and I noticed um, there's quite a lot of guitars in your Instagram feed. Lots mm. of different guitars. Uh, Zermatis seems to feature 
quite often. Oh, uh, here it is. Which I just think are the coolest guitars ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this one, I I toured with this for years, but then I've got a couple of dinks in it, and and I thought, why am I taking it on the road? You know, it's just it's too risky. You know. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's not like a. It's not like a vintage one, a vintage somatis. It's. It's. But it's. Um. It's a great guitar, you know, and I've I've got it actually tuned to open tuning at the moment. I've been using it for recording. Oh, so what what are you recording? Well, at the moment, I'm just getting a new new record together and um, working with... uh, It's it's a different thing, obviously, because we're in a different sort of of era of the band at the moment and we're, Mm. you know, dealing with all that. But... um, we're working with a lot of different outside um, artists, shall we say, like a lot of, a lot of well-known people, just friends. Oh. And uh, we've never really had the chance to do that for various reasons. So, mm. so sending, you know, sending stuff back and forth with people in, in, in other countries. And so it's quite interesting. It's, um, I mean, I like writing with di- with different people because something comes back and it's like, oh, I didn't think of it like that. Yeah. It's, it's different. Yeah. People I admire anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I can't really say who's on it yet, but it will be announced pretty soon. And there's some pretty impressive uh, names on there, which I'm quite, you know, it's quite a, quite a thing for us to actually be, that, that people want to work with us. So, you know, it's yeah, nice. That's cool. How are you finding the change from, guitarist to guitarist and singer yeah um well years ago doing the glimmer thing uh you know toured quite a lot with that but but that you know that's 20 years ago you know so Mm. almost i guess and um and the way it happened it was sort of it was all a bit it all happened sort of quite suddenly so there was no rehearsals or on the monsters of rock cruise with, you know, every other band in the world on there, you know, <laughs> watching us and stuff, but they, the gigs went well. And, um, that there's things as, as we're going along, there's things where I'm going, yeah, I, I, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't be playing here or maybe I should just drop out a bit or mm. get Paul to do some of the solos, do more of the solos now. Cause it's, it's all, we haven't had time to it's a gradual thing if you know what i mean yeah. but um <clears throat> but um you know you want to go out and engage with the audience and then you go oh shit i've got to get back to the pedal yeah. or whatever or you know all that sort of stuff you know um but it's it's been it's been fine i mean i've been i've been singing every every gig we do obviously we're doing backing vocals but uh i was singing a lot and also, I'd, I would do all the sound checks. Right, so you didn't have yeah. to learn the words then. I know the words. I know, my, well, you know, famous last words, but I, you know, I'm, I do know most of the words. <laughs> which, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But, but, uh, so it, it wasn't like some songs are a little more difficult than others because some songs weren't written for my voice. You know, mm. we, we, we're doing a lot of we're bringing a lot more songs in from the other 12 albums we have that don't yeah. get, haven't seen the light of day or some of them, most of them haven't. So we're going to bring more of that into the set. And, you know, because, you know, we're, we're proud of all the songs we've, we've done over the years. And, uh, and, you know, I love playing all those old, you know, all the old songs from the first album and stuff. And that we'll always do some of them, but, um, to me, it's sort of like getting stuck in a rut, just playing, you know, all the songs off the first album and all that, you know, which is, you know, some people might they want to hear that and maybe some people, you know, person in the band, that's all they want to do, you know. And yeah. I find that a bit too sort of, yeah, it's great. It's great to celebrate your past, but if that's all there is, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, it's like 
I, I, I want to just keep making music, you know, and, and be able to actually play it for people rather than it just it comes out on a CD or Spotify and then it's never heard again, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you're songs... right. I mean, there is something like nine albums post the first two, isn't there? Uh, that yeah. Contain some really good songs. Thank you. And you never you never hear those. You will now. <laughs> you will now. And well, the, uh, the other thing is, they need to be played live, in some to a certain extent, to 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 settle where they're finally going to settle. Oh yeah, because they they become something different. With us, I think most of the songs become so much better than the recorded versions. You know, because yeah. you, you play in this studio. You've just written it, and then it's stuck. You, you put it down. Everyone's just sort of feeling their way around it. Get their part, and they play it, and that's done. And then when you play it live on the road, you put, you know you play it like ten or twenty times. You go, oh, I should have played this. I should have done this. And, you know. mm. So no, I think that's really, really, mm. really. Sorry, Jason. I just really, really valid. I, I just think you know the 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 number of, like I say, the number of bands and how the and how the songs change, and then how the things. That fans' favourites become albums that, or become songs that were probably never singles, or they were never yeah. really pushed, or what have you. But yeah. the fans kind of work it out, and the band kind of work it out, and you end up in a situation where the ones everybody's craving for aren't the ones that, say, yeah. a record company, you know, oh yeah, took a liking to. Uh, yeah, and that only comes from playing them. That's it. I mean, and of course, you know the world that existed in 1990 doesn't exist now. So there's no way a rock band is going to have like some massive uh, song because the charts don't really mean anything. No. You know, unless you get something in a TV, you know, a TV show or something, you know, a big TV show or a a TikTok video. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. And then, um, you know, so that, that doesn't count. So you can't compare newer songs you've written to old songs in terms of, oh, well, it's not as big a song. So well, mm. it's never, it's never going to be as big a song. But to the, like I said, to the fans who really listen to the music, you know, some songs, like for us, like we've got uh, Mon- Mona Lisa Smiled is probably our biggest song now. You know, it wasn't like a hit song. Yeah. But... I know when I get my PRS checks, I see well which which of the songs are the, the ones that are most listened to and downloaded. You know? Awesome! I've only got a, a two two more points yeah. written down. Really, um, the first one is a very personal point. I was scrolling through your um, Instagram feed and I found a picture of Cyril Regis, who was like my boyhood hero. Okay, well, here's the thing, right? I'm before I was into into music, I was football all the way. You know, my my my, my dad is was past now, but he was a you know really good footballer and boxer, and you know it's all sports. But he loved music as well. And uh, and when I was a kid, you know, you, you, I'm from Bedford, right? So you know, you know, you've got Bedford Town or whatever, but you know, it's not a league club and um, and I, I had a season ticket. I used to go see Northampton Town because my granddad supported them until until the uh, one day he goes, right, that's up. I've had enough. And I said, what are you <laughs> he, he says, I've had fifty years of this and not doing it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we stopped. And uh, and uh, it was. I, I remember it was when I was at, I was still at lower school, and I decided, right, I'm going to support a, support a team that no one else supports. Come and was, on. It was West Bromwich Albion. Yes. <laughs> the first guest, and the first guest that's been another Albion fan. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't follow it that much anymore, but, but that particular era, um, I remember crying my eyes out when they lost at the, lost the FA Cup semi-final. I can't remember what year it was. Like, I was there. What was it? Seventy-eight or seventy-eight, seventy-nine? I can't remember. Yeah. It, the one that, um, oh god, it was at um, Arsenal's ground. Yeah, Highbury. Highbury. Yeah, uh, and for the life of me, I can't remember 
my dad my dad and my brother my dad and my brother supported Arsenal when they, st- you know, still Arsenal. My my nephew supports Arsenal, so I still have a, have a little bit of thing with Arsenal as well. But uh, but West Brom, Cyril Regis was just, I, I mean, how he didn't play for England more, I don't, I don't. Oh no, it, it, it was, he was amazing. It, it was just like the classic, classic striker, and I mean, strong as a ox, you know. I mean, it's like real old fashioned. Proper striker, you know. He was proper number nine, wasn't he? And he was lovely. Yeah. We used to, yeah. um, because I grew up oh, two and a half miles from the training ground. All right. We used to go, like in the school holidays, like we'd go and we'd stand there like as eight-year-olds with our autograph books yeah. sort of thing. And like I must have had Cyril Regis' autograph like a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, he was always absolutely lovely. You know, and, what about uh, um, uh, Laurie Cunningham? Yeah, what a player he was, and 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 uh, Peter Barnes. That that was around that era. Peter Barnes was playing with, and um, Peter Barnes was a player. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, Brian Robson. Brian Robson. Yeah, Brian Robson. And who was the who was the um? And I don't know. If, was it Mick? Was there a guy? It was Mick Brown, wasn't there? And uh, was it Mick Brown? Bomber Brown. Bomber Brown. And then, so, uh, hang on. One Tony Godden, two Brendan Batson, Brendan Batson, three Derek Statham, Statham, yeah, wow, four Bomber Brown, five John Wyle. John Wyle was the one I was thinking of. He was the tough guy at the back. Yeah, yeah. Six Ali Robertson, seven Brian Robson, eight Ali Brown, nine Sil Regis. 10, Laurie Cunningham, 11, Len Cantello, and super sub, John Truick. John Truick. Didn't, uh, who was the other one that played? Did Remy Moses? Did he, yeah. Was he there? Remy Moses. Yeah. 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 So when Ron Atkinson went to Man United, he took Remy Moses and Brian yeah, Robson. Yeah. Yeah. 1981, that semi-final. Oh, it was, right. Yeah. And I'm, the thing is, I, what I loved was, that I'm sure it's same as I am now. I thought, their kit looks really cool. I'm going to support them. <laughs> I love their kit. I really do. I mean, they, I, I, I had the I don't away wear... kit as well. Oh, the and me. Yeah, the yellow, yeah, and... The... <laughs> yellow, yellow and, green. and green. I don't wear football tops anymore, but mm. if I did, I'd quite happily wear the West Brom one. Yeah, it's a good, good kit. Yeah. Just, just as we move on, because obviously there's only three people now left <laughs> listening to this. So, yeah, do you want to ask your last question so yeah, the three sorry. remaining listeners who yeah. are also West Brom fans clearly yes. yeah. can. Uh, I'm just impressed that I can remember the lineup. But apart from that, the only other thing that I was like, wow, that's incredible. There's a picture of you playing Keith Richards' Hummingbird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, actually, here's something, uh, something else I'll show you here. I've got... This is really heavy, but I've got... Can you see it? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's signed by Keith Richards. It was like their record, you know, the, all the final from the 70s wow so on my 50th he, he sent me a thing so um yeah well he didn't really send me anything on my 50th i know was he cheek hey um but um yeah a, a, a friend of mine alan clayton who's a singer of the dirty strangers he he also works tour managers with choir boys and um he's very good friends with keith richards so um Keith Richards gave him this guitar. It's a hummingbird, and it's the it's actually the I've checked it out because the pictures and everything. Um, it's the one that Graham Parsons gave to him uh, that was u- used on uh, Exile on Main Street. So that's the guitar. Wow! And, How did uh, it sound? Well, yeah, you play it, and uh, well, I don't the strings haven't been changed for a while, so but, yeah, but you. <laughs> But you know, of course, you, you, it's weird just playing it because you sort of like you just end up playing something stonesy or playing wild horses or something on it. It's just automatic. <laughs> but um, I was just nervous of putting it back on this on the stand and it falling over or something. <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know, but it's really cool. You know, Keith just said, "Yeah, yeah, have, have to." Alan said, "Want you to have this guitar?" It's like so. Uh, not a bad thing to have in your living room, you know. 
No, not at <laughs> or all. Some, something for the pension or something. <laughs> yeah, it's probably worth quite a bit because it's the one that's oh. in all the Nelcott photos, isn't it? By yeah. Dominic yeah. Tarr. It's the same one. It's the same guitar. And uh, I'm, I mean, I've always been off. Yeah, I'm always able to, if I wanted to use it to record, I could use it for mm. recording. It's just never got around to it, you know. But oh, you should. Maybe. Yeah, I left it just for, or at least pretend I'm recording it in front of a <laughs> microphone. <laughs> all right, that's brilliant. I've asked all the questions I wanted to ask. Have you right, got anything, cool. Ant? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, I, I really liked you up until the point when you told me about owning that guitar, and I've, I've gone off you quite quickly now. Oh, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know. well, it's not my guitar. I've, I've, I've just literally had a go on it a few times. So it's, right, I always, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I'm warming to you again. Though. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. Don't worry, it's not here. <laughs> right, okay, fine, fine, fine. Um, no, I mean, Griff, thank you very much. It's been lovely to, lovely to meet you. Lovely to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully um, we'll, we'll catch up somewhere along the road or, you know. Yeah, well, we would invite you to the show, but you, you don't like coming and playing guitar shows. So, I like uh, I like watching good guitar players. Oh, well, come, <laughs> along, come along. A, come along for a curry next time. We do I a great do. curry on the Saturday night. All right. Well, now I'm a singer. I don't have to play, pretend to be a guitar player. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That, yeah. That's always been my excuse too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just need to play the cowboy chords, and somebody else can do the hard work. That's 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 where I'm coming from. Yeah. <laughs> All right, brilliant. Thank you very much. All right, thank mate. you. And that was Guy Griffin. Yeah, that was a bit of a treat, wasn't it? It was. I hadn't expected to get Guy on. But there you go. No, no, really, really good. Actually, um, we kind of finished the podcast proper. Um, but then we have to come back because there's important things to update you with since we spoke to Guy, to be fair. Well, yes. Yes. And the first one is that um, Ian, a friend of the podcast, Ian Sloan, uh, who plays slide with the wind tower. Is it just slide he plays? No, he plays with the guitar as well. It's right. pedal, he plays guitar. Pedal steel. Pedal steel. Pedal steel, not slide. Pedal steel and guitar with the wind tower marshals. Uh, they've got a new album out. It's brilliant. It really uh, it is, is brilliant. Very, very exceptional. And we got a little thank you, didn't we, in the credits? We did, yeah. There we, I whipped it open, and then because I'm a bit of a nerd, I like to read the sleeve notes. And there we were. And There we were. And it said, 9 to 42 podcast. Yeah. And he's such a lovely bloke, Ian. So thank you, Ian. You're, you're very, very kind. Yes. Aside from the fact that what a great, what a great thing to have your name on. Oh, I know. This is only the second time it's ever happened to me. It's quite exciting. Well, it happens fairly regularly to me. I know. Only with Marillion. Oh. Only with Marillion. <laughs> it's never happened to anybody else. So this is this is a this is a uh, uh, what a treat! What a treat! Um, so congratulations, uh, uh, Wintown Marshalls. Congratulations, Ian. Uh, and it's a stunning album. And we'll put a link um, in the show notes. Uh, but you should check it out because it's really, really, really good. Yeah, I mean, um, I've included it in the Guitar Show newsletter as well. It's going out at the end of this month. Um, yeah. In the what I'm listening to right now. Oh, there you have it. The other thing, of course, is that being the pros that we are, <laughs> primed and ready for Series 2, <laughs> we completely forgot to thank Focusrite, didn't we? It's shocking. So, um, oh, no. thank you, Focusrite. Thank you. I mean, they keep giving us money. I mean, actually giving us money. I know. It's awful, isn't it? I just think we're out of practice. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Go and check out their gear. This is made using a Scarlett 2i2. It's blinking at me now as I'm talking. It's good gear. It really is good. And they are lovely, lovely people. Yeah. Really lovely people. Right. Well, um, we'll, we'll call it a day, shall we, there? All right, mate. As we tiptoe over the hour point. Um, so we've even added to the value. This has even become more value for money. Actually, on that point of credits in uh, in, in sleeves, your EP's on my desk. Ah, yeah. Is, is there a thank you anywhere in there to me? There's no thank yous anywhere. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Ian. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. 